Welcome to the podcast. Today, we'll talk about a different way of communicating with our emotionally intense kids, of course, but also anybody else, basically. <laughs> a way to communicate that will lower arguments and yelling in our house, hopefully. And to do that, we're welcoming Alison Livingstone. She's a parent coach and transform families struggling with intense anger and anxiety. So hard family dynamics. Uh, and she's passionate about and trained in Brené Brown and nonviolent communication. She's um, guaranteed to impose family relating and build trust and increase yelling and arguments in homes. So let's welcome Alison on the podcast. Welcome to Parenting the Intensity where we'll talk all about how we can drop the general parenting advice that doesn't work with our emotionally intense kids anyway, and let go of the unrealistic expectations society puts on us as parents. Together, we'll find solutions and ideas that work for you and your kids. Chances are, deep down, you know what they need. But you need a little encouragement to keep going on harder days and permission to do things differently and help you fully trust that you already are a wonderful parent to your exceptional but challenging kids. Do you read all the things, listen to all the things, take all the courses, and you know a whole lot of things about parenting, but you struggle to actually apply them in your real life? Then you're in luck. I just started the Parenting the Intensity community which is a uh, monthly group support for parents of emotionally intense kids. And the goal is exactly that, to take all the information you learn from the podcast and from all the other sources and adapt them so that it works for your child and your family, your reality, because things can work, but not always the same way for everybody. So the same thing might need to be adapted to work for you and sometimes it's, it's hard to sort through everything to choose the right things that so that you can really enjoy your life and your kids not always being afraid of the next outburst you can join by clicking on the link uh, in the show notes or on the website so welcome Alison really glad I'm here with us uh, today Thank you. Glad to um, be here. Yeah, thanks. Um, so first, I want to ask you why you do what you do. Ah, such a good question. Um, I was in crisis. I had um, a daughter that was born with a very intense personality. I have two daughters. And <clears throat> when I, I came from a family that was very well organized, my mom is a librarian, my dad is an engineer, and we valued, they both went to a very high education, and we valued success and accomplishment. And I thought I was going to be a great parent. I'd been very successful in my business life. And then this child came out and she had intense anger, intense meltdowns. She, everything she did was, that's why I love the name of your podcast, because everything <laughs> she did was just big. And I was so, you know, controlled and methodical and I, we just kept missing each other. I didn't mm. understand her and it was so hard. And so I needed support. 
And I went out and learned nonviolent communication. And um, it can also be called compassionate communication. And it's a system of looking what's underneath. It's not just looking at things face value. And it helped, it helps relationships, it helps communication, but even more than communication, it helps where you're coming from. And I was so reactive when she was so reactive that we were just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so but butting heads all the time. That's so common. <laughs> I did yes, that too. So much, so much conflict, so much butting heads. And and to no end, like we would both leave feeling so yucky, like it wouldn't get yeah. to resolution. Yeah. So that's why constant I, fighting, basically constant fighting and, and so at odds with what I had dreamed parenting yeah. would be. Yeah. So. yeah. That's a big one. Like it's, it's, it's such a difficult experience when you're facing real life parenting, which is very different. But then when you have like any kids with different needs, then real life takes a hit even more and reality yes. of parenting it's you right in the face <laughs> yes yes exactly and yeah. everything was resistance and defiance it felt like to me and the wonderful hope that i got is that when i started to um approach her differently and <clears throat> work with myself then she was responded so much differently and and that's yeah. why i have a message of hope for kids Yeah. And I love that you used, um, remind me, you, you're using another term for nonviolent communication. It's compassionate communication compassionate is also communication. what it's called. Yeah. I love it because I, stuck. yeah, I, I feel like, and we've, we were talking about that a bit before we press record, but I, I've learned about nonviolent communication years ago, but I always felt like when you <clears> start <throat> talking about that to people, most people would just take a step back and feel like, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not violent. So they don't listen to the information. And that's a shame because it's a very great approach, but the name of it is just not well chosen. <laughs> it's off-putting for yeah. sure. I, I feel the exact same way. And the the thing that has brought me around, one is just using the tools are so effective. Yeah. The other is that it's, it's that judgment is violent. And, and so much of what really? they try to realize is that when you evaluate someone, when you come from your left brain, when you judge them as being wrong or mm -hmm. not okay, mm -hmm. then that is a form of violence. That's what Marshall Rosenberg, who started it all, yeah. I think that's where he was coming from. And he actually worked in the Middle East with peace talks. And he, that, that's also where he has used this, but mm -hmm. in, in the crux of it for families, we want to say it's about the loving communication and understanding where you are because none of us want to come from a an off-putting or um, um, divisive you know judgmental place but no. un unknowingly inadvertently we do yeah and so that's and I, why I, this... that's obviously just i just want to stop on the judgment is violent because i think that's so true and It's true in the way that we might be judging our kids, but it's also true in the way that we judge each other as parents and that we judge ourselves as parents. So we we are violent with ourselves when we shame ourselves or we guilt our like we feel guilty and like sometimes it's like wanting to stop that is hard. <laughs> like yeah. we want to stop judging ourselves and then we 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 it, it can be like a downward spiral because then we feel bad because we're not able to. Um, not the goal here, but the idea is that when we judge ourselves or when we judge others, be it our other parents, our partner or their children, it's a form of violence. And I think it's what Anna Arendt called um, everyday violence, if we will, like normal violence. Um, 
I just don't, I just don't know the exact term in French for some reason, but like, yeah. it's, it's like the, the violence that we have normalized as a society as something right. normal, but it's, like even an inner critic voice, like yeah. you said, judging yeah. ourselves or judging others, that, yeah. that form of communication is not supportive. We need to get to the compassionate part and, and that's hard to do in the moment. Cause we are, like you said, so culturally trained to be judgmental. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I like we're all guilty of judging other parents, for example. And I think that's a big part of the problem. It's because when we judge others, we don't trust ourselves as parents also. And in that moment, we judge ourselves at the same yeah. time. <laughs> and and it's such a good thing that, that this system does, that the five steps to connect that I've developed is when we can get into that observer mode that's when we can realize because the judgment is just a function of our brain. It's a part of our left brain for analysis and judgment and figuring things out. It just is misapplied with our children. Yeah, because it's, it's necessary for survival, like judging fast if our environment is safe or not. It, it, it's what will make us run out of the street if a car is coming too fast, for example. So it's essential to our survival. But when we apply it to how others work or how our children react, then it it's not working. <laughs> Misapplied. Yes. Yeah. I like to say it's just it's it's necessary. We actually can't take it, turn it off, just like you said. It's part of our survival system. And it's often mis misapplied when we direct it at each other. It's mm-hmm. so to other humans but at the same time it like sometimes it's well applied if it's a danger if the other person is a real danger a real threat but most of the time that's not the case in our everyday life (laughs) yes yes exactly and i do want to bring up that uh one of the foundational concepts that when my child was being very intense it felt threatening it felt dangerous to my nervous system and the viewers won't be able to see but there i use the (gasps) image of a snarling wolf and that that is how my nervous system perceived my daughter when she would shout, no, I won't. And yeah. all these, you know, and I thought I was asking something very reasonable, like, okay, it's time to leave the park. Mm-hmm. And she would have such a big reaction. And so I had to condition and train myself to imagine yeah. her as puppy. a hurting puppy, the yeah. second image. And that's what's going on inside her. She's scared. She's hurting. She's she's having an unmet need, which is the yeah. other foundational component of, of uh, compassionate communication. And so the more I can see what's going on underneath the surface, that's when real connection and real understanding. And, and that's the core needs of our kids is to be seen and heard and understood. And so yeah, that's where definitely yeah. and I love that to. that image of like we can see our children as wolf and as like like as threatening us and I think like lots of parents are dealing with kids that are physically aggressive so it's definitely threatening our nervous system and when, even if it's kids that are yelling it's threatening our nervous system and so we feel like we fall in that fight or flight mode and so yes. we are seeing that as a threat and we are reacting as if it was a threat like a real life threat and yeah. like the wolf, like it was a wolf, basically. If we are yes. of a wolf, we would react that way and it would be appropriate, but it's not a wolf. It's a wolf the- with a hidden puppy inside. <laughs> yes, yes. And the key part of the revolution of how to get out of conflict is to use both and. The the my nervous system is correct. The mm-hmm. yelling, the volume, the face that she's giving me is actively threatening. Mm-hmm. And the meaning I'm making about it mm-hmm. is where 
is what I have control over. And that's what is actually not, not correct. So when I can be aware of the story I'm making up about it, that both validate, yes, this yeah. is dysregulating to my nervous system. I, my heart rate is going fast. Mm-hmm. My jaw is tight. My stomach is clenching. I am feeling threatened and she's not dangerous. She's not trying to be dangerous. She's trying to get needs met. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. key moment for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so you said you have like a five step. Can you run us? What are those steps? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the the again, it's we so often invalidate either them or us. I want to get to stop this uncomfortable outburst or embarrassing thing in the middle of a grocery store when my child Classic. is having a meltdown. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> She wants the toy at the register, whatever. Yeah. And so that both validate her and me first before I try to do corrections or unless it's dangerous, right? You got yeah. to step in if it's dangerous, but, but it's really just see her and validate her see. So meet is the first step, see and validate myself because mm-hmm. this is a tricky moment. Mm-hmm. This is a hard thing. I do notice that people are staring at us, right? So yeah. it's, it's too often we invalidate it and just try to make it go away. Mm-hmm. And that hurts the, my child and it hurts me. And so meat is the first step of just, this is hard. And then the second step is for me, so much of our emotions are felt in our bodies. And I was living from the neck up and mm-hmm. I was again, invalidating my body's wisdom about there is something going on here for me and there's something going on for my child. And so it's really get to the somatic wisdom in our bodies. Mm-hmm. The third step is what is that somatic wisdom telling me about my emotions? Because again, I was living from this rational place. I was trying to fix everything and make it run well. Mm-hmm. When what I really needed to do was meet her emotionally, meet myself emotionally. And so what was what were the feelings? Was it embarrassment? Is it shame? Is it frustration? What is it? And then the fourth is um, the motions in point me to my unmet needs, my values. Mm-hmm. And so again, just validate that I'm needing partnership. I'm needing calm. I'm needing to be seen. This is a hard moment. It's a hard moment for her too, mm-hmm. but I can't really regulate her until I regulate myself. Yeah. And so that's why this is such a tricky thing to learn because we have to do both at once. And that's Gandhi level work, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Definitely. So the five steps to connect are to ourselves so that we can connect with our child and our mm-hmm. strong will, deeply feeling child. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. once we've done those, then we can notice if we need to set a boundary, if we need to give them a hug of compassion, if we need to give them time and space, if we, if I need to give myself a timeout, you know, then I can one from this regulated connected place, then I can move forward from compassion instead of from reaction. Mm-hmm. But we first need to realize what's happening and connect with it to be yeah. able to then calm ourselves, for example, and come regulate ourselves. Right. Right. And not use that inner critic, violent, judgmental voice of, oh, how mm-hmm. could I be so stupid? How could she be doing this to me? Right. Mm-hmm. We get so enmeshed so quickly in that we personalize things and we take on their feelings that she made me feel. And, and none of that is true when you can slow it down and pull apart what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's all, uh, and I think as parents, we so often easily like we were talking about the judgment when we're in a public setting and things like that happen 
that judgment from other people, be it true or, or perceived, and I would say most of the time, sadly, it's true, um, we perceive that as a threat. So it's an added threat to what our children are already doing. Um, so yeah, that that's a big one also, is that... Um, that our nervous system is exacerbated and like really triggered by yeah our childhood but also by the judgment of others because it's perceived as a violence and so as a threat to our nervous system too so it's doubly hard when we're out of the house <laughs> yes exactly the other foundational concept is Brene Brown's work that I and I actually run a Brene Brown book club and the the shame that washes over us really does take our everything offline and and yeah. so being able to be vulnerable and and not be in this pleaser performer habitual way that I was conditioned to be mm-hmm. that's also like you just mentioned so much of we're caring about what people think instead of my relationship with my daughter she needs yeah. support she's having yeah. a hard time and we're acting often from the what are others thinking about me more than yes. what my child needs because it's yes. so ingrained in us that we need to behave in society and we need to like give that appearance of perfect parents per- in control of their children's behaviors. It's very hard. Like yes. I can tell you, like yes. we were not in public setting for most of the summer. And then I went for like orientation day in my kids cool and I had to bring my youngest who's four-year-old and is really emotionally intense and we had to wait in line for a really long time and she's not good at all at waiting in line like it's a very big struggle for her waiting and being like in a one place when she cannot move because she cannot we're in a high school she cannot run anywhere and she was not having it. Like she didn't want it to stay there. She was, yeah. And I'm in the high school with just high schoolers who learn to behave, you know, to say, don't yeah. do that anymore yeah. for most part. So everybody's looking at you. It's very hard to stay in like the way, you know, your children needs you to, um, to, to, to work with them and to support them right. Right. because there's all that judgment. And I yes. like, I felt it, it, it was, it's been a while since it happened, but I felt it really intensely at that moment with everybody staring at us. And even my older kids, like my, my second one don't care about others judgment. Um, but my older one, he really, really cares. So he was embarrassed also. And he sure. was the one yelling at her to stop because he's not like, I was like, you know, it's not helping <laughs> And I always like to remind him that you were exactly doing the same thing when you were four years old. Yes, which maybe doesn't help either. No, <laughs> for sure. But sometimes it, it does help him take some distance. Like he, he, he's, she's only four year old; she's not fifteen. Yeah. It's normal that yes. she's acting differently. But yeah, one, it's one like of that the greatest. Do you same. know what was? Do you remember what was happening, like physically in your body? Were you getting hot? Yeah. Were you feeling tense anywhere? I would say the the hot part. Even if I know, even if I've been there, even if I teach about that, the feeling's still there. I yeah. still feel it. I would say the difference is that now I see it, I feel it, and I know I don't have to react to that. And I know I can yeah. still like I'm I'm. I've trained myself enough that I can still act with her the way I know she needs, but I still feel the judgment of others. I know they're looking, I know they're judging. It's still hard, but I can, I don't react like for my older ones, I would have reacted differently than what I knew we needed because, because of that judgment. And because you've done your work. 
yeah, now that I've done everything, I guess it's been 10 years since like they are 11 years apart. So I've, I've worked a lot in those years and now I can still be that parent, but it took me years. Yeah. And I think you and I, the work we're doing, the goal is to help parents go there faster than 10 years later. <laughs> well, that's why I, I was just going to suggest that, you know, if, if you are a new parent listening and this is new concept to you, this body work, that was my lifeline because the thoughts were slippery, but I could go, oh, I actually physically am feeling hot. It would yeah. get me a little bit out of that. What are people thinking? Yeah. And I could just focus on, oh, my jaw, oh, my jaw. Yeah. And that or would help me. Shoulder often will oh, cramp. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. My trapezoids. Yeah. And so that was something that I could physically get me back to the present moment instead yeah. of that reactive thought place yeah. I was in I love and, how and practical that is so like noticing yeah. what how we feel when we're not feeling when we're feeling activated and yeah that helps to just then be calm our mind because our mind will run free if we don't call them yeah yeah and and the other tool I use is broadcasting that is um that is the hardest part and so it's just a a a chance to give yourself some support and some compassion instead of letting that inner critic keep talking. Can you explain a bit more what you mean by broadcasting? Yeah, broadcasting is a tool to speak either in your mind or out loud what is going on for you. So if it would embarrass your child to speak it out loud, then just say in your head, oh my gosh, I'm feeling stuck. I mm. am feeling like everyone is staring. It's just naming what is happening instead mm. of letting it control you. It gives me just a slight support in the moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, my child is crying. Her face is getting red. I want, I want to support her and mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I need to stifle her. Yeah. So and the, that's, it's kind of tension. grounding basically. Yes. Doing that. Yes. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Love that because This is a question that I get so often. It's like, how can I stay calm when my children is spiraling down and melting down and like losing it completely? And it's very hard to do that in the moment when we feel threatened. Um, yes. So I love that. It's so practical that you look at your inner feeling and you run in your head what is happening and or you run it out loud. And I think sometimes it can even be helpful for the children when we run it out loud. Out loud. Yes. Um, but on public setting might not be for some children for sure. But and yeah. it just names what they it gives words to what yeah. they are experiencing. Instead yeah. of invalidating their experience, you're mm -hmm. you're seeing it and you're validating it and just saying it's okay that this is hard. Life is sometimes like this and it won't last forever and mm -hmm. you're not alone in these mm -hmm. intense feelings. Yeah. And I, I as I, I talked to someone else about like in those moments, most of the time, the kids don't really hear what we're saying, but they, they hear the intention and the, the tone of voice. So if we are able to say those things and it's grounding for us, our tone of voice will convey that. So I think yes. that's very powerful because even if don't they don't really understand what we're saying, like the word, they will understand the intention behind the word in some way, like their body is going to understand that. Yes, that's such a important thing of that grounding. And like you said, they they won't get the cognition because they're offline. They're just in their full emotion. They're physical. They're they're in their kinetic space. And so even getting down on their level and being body to body with them can help them, you know, get that 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 feeling of presence and that feeling of I'm not alone. Yes, this is intense and hard, but mm -hmm. I'm not in it by myself. 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, how would you say, like, you were to give an example of, like, with your daughter, you were always, like, um, basically fighting because you were, like, the reaction was intense. And how would you say that the nonviolent on, like, communication can help in a setting like that to avoid going to, like, triggering the, the fight, basically? So in a moment of intensity of upset, or even using your example of your four-year-old is getting impatient and starting to get upset, like my mm-hmm. daughter would do as well, um, it's 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 hard to get out of the, I'm feeling threatened by other people's judgments. That's the actual threat. Yeah. And it's so conditioned that, and my parents taught me, don't be embarrassing, you know, stay, you know, they, they taught control. Yeah. And so it's really a, a different system of, of being able to meet ourselves and meet our child. And again, for me, the physical is so important because it's one thing I can grab and, and it just helps me. Um, the, the other thing I've built in is when we're upset, it's stop to connect. And the S sounds stands for something matters, something's important. And so it gets me out of the feeling like either she's manipulating me or she's mm-hmm. irrational or this is inappropriate or all those thoughts that aren't helpful. It helps me ground to something matters to her. And then the O is own, own what's going on. Again, it's that validation of the inner experience, her inner experience and mine. They're mm-hmm. not doing it to be troublemakers. No, they're not they're doing, doing us it- that for tr- like to trigger us or annoy us. They're doing that because there's something going on. Yes, yes. And then the, 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 um, sorry, the T is threat or no threat. It just gives me a chance to ask a question and be curious instead of being in the reaction. And like, is there a physical threat or is this a, an emotional threat that I'm probably creating myself by mm-hmm. what I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. And and then the final is the P and the stop to connect is, um, you know, change my perspective and and know that the purpose is to connect and to maintain the relationship, not whatever the result is, not that, you know, she screams and we have to go take a time out in the car for five minutes to help her support her. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about, you know, meeting each other instead of fixing first and and focusing on the result first. And yeah. it's hard, just yeah. a lot of compassion for the child and the parent. Definitely. Definitely. And is, is that something we can apply? Like that would be the to apply like when it's already spiraling down, I would say. Yes. Um, and is there a way to use that to prevent? Like when we start talking with our children with something and then they react a bit intensely, I think often what happens is that we will really fast go there and start to like talk like and and just make like make things worse basically because we are triggered but trying um, to control them yeah yeah in some way because I think that's how we're taught because the parents should be the one in control of the situation right (laughs) part yes yes and that's exactly the hardest part is once we're in it it's almost too late and so how can we do the prep work for either deep breathing or, or really making eye contact with them and, and, and just anticipating um, uh, the great resource is um, Good Inside, Dr. Becky Kennedy. And she talks about doing a, a dry run 
like like imagining what it's going to be like and what some of the hard parts might be so that you are the sturdy parent and and your child feels like you know she can count on you she can trust you and mm. and that you can be trusted to stay with her and to put her first her feelings first mm-hmm. instead of the result first yeah instead of you, like correcting the behavior we're putting their feelings and needs and and like as the first thing right yes and 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 another is even if it can't be first you can again broadcast and say this is a tricky situation your brother needs me right now mm-hmm. we we need to be here and i see that you're having a hard time and it makes sense you're having a hard time this is a long time to wait so again it's all about validating it's like a superpower Mm-hmm. because they yes. feel seen and heard even when you don't change your boundary even if you don't leave mm-hmm. even if you can't change the circumstance you can see her lived experience yeah true um and we touched on like we kind of opened on um correcting behavior and i think that's something um that's hard for lots of parents that wants to stop like they they get that the behavior is not a problem and that their kids are struggling but everything that we're taught is based on correcting behavior. So I think sometimes it's very hard to do, to move away from correcting behavior because all the parenting tools out there are focused on that. Um, And so I love that it's like helping, what you're talking about is helping, like it's concrete steps to help with correcting behaviors. Um, And the other thing that we touched a bit before we recorded uh, was that, it can be hard for parents to explain that to others around them, to their partner first, and maybe grandparents, for example, um, when they don't want to correct the behavior and they want to have another approach. It's um, often hard to explain because we don't necessarily understand it very well ourselves. So yes. do you have a way that we can explain that to ourselves and others like simply I know it's a bit gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big ask. I have been working on this for um yeah, over 10 years and and the cleanest way is is the the value for mental health of having a feeling first approach. So the the key to to explain to a partner who's like this is you're speaking Greek. I don't mm-hmm. get it. I just want her behavior is not okay. Because from our family of origin, we were given all these, you know, children are seen and not heard. They yeah. they are supposed to behave. And mm-hmm. if not, you punish them, right? Yeah. That was a lot of the old rules of parenting. And, and so many of our parents weren't validated. They weren't let, their emotional space wasn't held. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know how to do this for us. And, and we're both needing to learn how to, you know, validate our own emotions while we're validating our kids. Yeah. So what I say to my partner is the, the value of this down the line for when they're teenagers, for when they're adults, for their own mental health will far outweigh the, the challenge of learning this new system. Yeah. And it is a new system. And so it's, it's not easy. It takes work. Yeah, definitely. It's it's hard. And I, I love that you're saying that it takes works and it's hard because often like when we try to do new things that way, um, we will beat ourselves again so easily because we are not able to do it 
And I think it's very important to validate that it's normal not to be able to do it from the get-go. And we will fall down in the method we <laughs> we are used to <laughs> to do all the time because it's it's just normal to to fall back, you know, because <laughs> what we're we're trained for so many years. And I think the goal is just to get better and better and better. And some days we're going to get worse because it's bad days. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad you said that because it's one of Brene Brown's concepts of a frustrating first time. She actually has a bad word, but in case any kids are listening, um, <laughs> is a FFT. Yeah, and I think we can we can make the switch in our head. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so I am a terrible learner. I have such a short fuse. I have such high expectations. And I I mostly work with high achieving parents because mm -hmm. those are the ones that really clash with these intensely feeling child because they expect yeah. that it's going to be better and easier and and more streamlined. And so we're not good at FFTs, first mm -hmm. learnings. And, and so it takes a lot of compassion, a lot of vulnerability and a lot of grace, which are not what we, what I was conditioned to be good at. I was, I was trained to just get a result, get an accomplishment. So yeah. it is an unlearning of a lot of old patterns so that I can learn this new way of feeling first, meeting my child where they are result second. Definitely. Yeah. Love that. Um, thank you. That was a lot of um, great practical tools, I think, for parents to um, to help calm themselves down. First, I think it was that what was the most important here and then help their kids also. Um, and so where can people find you if they want to work more on that? I want to say that in a sec. And the, I couldn't leave without saying that Go. because we just talked about how because we just talked about how challenging it is to learn this, mm -hmm. I want to say that it's never too late to make a repair. True. If you blow up at your child, if you are impatient, if you are controlling, if you do results first because you're embarrassed, it's okay. And you can go back after the fact and let them know that you're aware of it and that you're working on it and what you, would what you wished you had done. And yeah. it rewrites the end of the story and builds that connection that is so important. And this is true, true. And I can tell from experience that I I learned some of those things when my older ones were little and I tried them and I didn't do it perfectly at all. And I did fail a lot of time and I did yell at them a lot of time, especially my older one, because it's the one we butted the most with. And now that he's a thing and I've switched things progressively I can tell that we have a great line of communication even if he's still <laughs> not the easiest thing for a long while and he would probably tell you that himself now um but we have a great line of communication because I've I've made all of those mistakes that you just said I fall down and I but I was able to say I'm sorry I didn't do what I wanted to do and now I'm trying to do better and I'm not doing better all the time. I still slip sometimes too, because <laughs> we're human, yeah. you know, but I agree that it's not, we so often feel like if we're not perfect by age three, everything is lost, but that's so not true. We can still change. We can still do better and we can still repair things with our children for sure. I love that you said and you added that. And time travel is actually a tool of you can go back to an earlier time that you both blew it that was actually a scar or a trauma for them. And you can say, hey, can you tell me what you were feeling? And you can hold their, validate their feelings, even if it's a year later. It doesn't oh, matter. It's never too late. 
Never heard of that. Oh, love that. We might have to do an entire episode on that. (laughs) (laughs) Love that idea of like going back and taking some specific moments when you feel like you failed like as a parent probably and that the the child felt like you were not there for them and then you can repair that specifically love it very interesting way of doing it so yeah is there anything else you would like to add before we close um there's so much because I'm so passionate about this because I want (laughs) to give parents the hope and the empowerment that it doesn't have to be so hard and they are the parent that their child needs so just a lot of encouragement (laughs) and the way you can get a hold of me because I love coaching parents in this is um, the number five steps to connect and there is a tool about facing your um, angry and flexible child um, as well as a free uh coaching session to see if um, I can give you a tip that might really support your family dynamics if they are challenging. Great. We'll put that link in the show notes for sure. Um, Thank you very much uh, for being here today. It was very nice talking to you. And I really love all the practical tools that you um, shared with uh, the community. So thanks for being here, Alison. You're welcome. It's been a very much of a pleasure and just uh, just really warm welcome to all the people listening. Thank you. And as I basically say after at the end of all episode, if anything that uh, Alison shared today resonates with you, I definitely encourage you to reach out because most of the time when we have that nudge inside, that little feeling that, oh, that thing, that's the right solution for me, we're right. So go for it if that's what you felt. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you joined me today and took that time out of your intense life to focus on finding a new way to parent that works for you and your kids. To get the episodes as soon as they drop, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave a rating and review so other parents can find it too. Also, check out all the free resources on my website at familymoments.ca so you can take action on what's the most important for you right now. And take a deep breath, keep going, we're all in this together.